there we go. See, I was dancing too much, I didn't even turn my mic on. It's good to be with you this morning, to dance like David danced, to pray like he prayed, to sing like he sang. So encouraged by our worship team, encouraged by our crew that helps out with the audio visual and all the aspects of that. Thank you so much. I know it's a lot of work, but we're going to dive in this morning to, uh, to one of the Psalms of David, something that he wrote, something that he wrote in the midst of a crazy time in his life. And really, that's why the title of this message is Confidence in the Midst of Craziness, because that's what we need during this time, confidence in our God. And so we're going to dive into the scriptures, and uh, luckily I have uh, Christy here, my wife, with me. Uh, as I've, we were talking about the psalm, we, we were going on our, our walks, which we've been able to do a lot of without soccer practices and games, as many of you may know. And uh, we've been walking more, and, and in our walks, we talk spiritual you know, we talk to each other spiritually, and I just said, man, I think it'd be great for you to share so the women will be able to hear from a woman as well. It'd be encouraging, and all of us can hear from her. But let's go to God in prayer uh, to really uh, pray that he will move in our hearts at this time. So let's pray together. Father, I'm grateful to, to be here this morning to, to really share your word, to, to be inspired by David, someone who had a deep relationship with you, and someone who was able to express what he uh, what he felt in ways that still inspire us thousands of years later. And Father, I just pray that even in the midst of craziness, in the midst of chaos, we can have confidence in you, that we can understand where to go when things around us we can't even control. So Father, I pray for this time that those in their homes can connect with you and that we can really leave here with a deeper desire to know you more. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. And in order to really, I think, get the, the backdrop for this psalm, uh, it's really, we got to get in touch really with the, with the concept that there's fear going on. You know, David knew fear. <laughs> if you know the Bible and you know the story of David, you understand that he came face to face with fear. He's on the run for his life many times, uh, many periods of his life, many seasons of his life. He was a warrior. He went to battle. His literal life was on the line many times. And so to understand the kind of emotional backdrop of the psalm, we have to get in touch with the fact that sometimes fear is, is very real in our lives. And, and I think fear, when I think of fear, it's this anticipation of doom or danger, or dread even. And, and David was really going through that, but notice how. David went through the fear, how he dealt with the fear. And that's what we'll look at. Because when you look at lists of fear, I mean, people fear a lot of things, right? You know, uh, people say public speaking, things like that, right? My mother genetically downloaded a fear of spiders into me. I can't help it. I hate those things. Some people fear heights. I was talking to uh, Paula, one of the sisters we love, who's a nurse. She told us that some of the uh, uh, hospitals and nursing homes in uh, New York were offering nurses $10,000 a week to treat COVID patients. But some of the nurses, many of the nurses, they fear, they don't wanna do that, even for $10,000 a week. Fear is real. And maybe the ultimate fear is losing our own lives or the lives of someone we love. Fear is real. It's the anticipation of something dreadful or danger that we have to deal with. And luckily the Bible doesn't say, oh, it, it doesn't exist or just escape. The Bible teaches us how to deal with fear. And that comes through confidence in, in God. And we'll see how David can help us with that. Let's look at the psalm together. Psalm 27. Let's look in verse one through, verses 1 through 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. 
Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. You know what I appreciate about David is just from the jump, from the beginning, he's going to extol and, and express, you know what, even though it's messed up and even though I have fear, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my guidance, my direction. The Lord is really my life itself. And that's what our relationship with God needs to provide us. Light. The source of light is God himself. Let there be light into the chaos and emptiness and the void of it all. And that's where really creation starts in many ways, right? So we need to trust in that light, but it's not found in a person or anything else or any accomplishment. It's found in God. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to wake up every morning and reaffirm that. Even in the midst of craziness, at least let it come out of our heart's desires. Like, hey, look, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Wow, so many synonyms for salvation, but rescue, my deliverer, my source of victory, my source of freedom. That is where it comes from, the Lord and nowhere else. And so if I have that from the Lord, I don't need to fear any person, right? And he is the stronghold of, of, of my life. And, and Chrissy's going to share a little bit about what that's all about. When my husband first asked me um, to share with him my thinking about this psalm, I, um, I read it and I thought, okay, what really sticks out to me? And there was a word that just jumped out to me, and that was stronghold. Um, the fear, whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of what should I be afraid? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. And the, that word stronghold, it feels so powerful. And um, I'll tell you a funny story that I was thinking about, a memory that came back to me, funny high school memory, um, when I was thinking about just the word and the meaning of having a stronghold, having a home where you feel safe. Um, there was a group of us that went through, I mean, some of us went through kindergarten all the way through college together. I grew up in a very small town. I lived out in the country. So a lot of us, there were seven of us. And we were together from first grade to graduation, maybe a, li a, few, a few, maybe third grade on, but we were, you know, our little best friend group. And we used to have slumber parties at my house out in the country. And behind my house, there was some woods and then a gravel road and then a graveyard. So we got the great idea um, of what are we going to do in the middle of the night, you know, um, let's go to the graveyard. So here we are, arms locked, go out. I mean, it's probably 2 a.m., you know, I don't know. We're arms locked, we're walking down that gravel road. At some point, I don't know, people one by one, all of a sudden, I, we're a few yards away, and it's just me and Paige. This, the two of us are actually going to make it. The deal was you had to touch the fence and then come home. So I will never forget that as long as I live. And we touched that fence, and then we were walking so slow, you know, determined, resolved. We touched that fence, we just took off. We were just, whoo, I mean, elbows, knees flying. And I'm sure she got home way before me because she was a track star in high school. But, um, I mean, we ran in my house, slammed that door, locked it, 
giggling everywhere, but just what a memory. But as soon as we were back in my mama's house, uh, door was locked. We went right back to our Doritos and Rotel dip and Rice Krispie treats that we had at every slumber party, not a care in the world. And I was just thinking about, you know, do I do that with God? Because half of the things I'm running for probably may never even happen. I mean, women, I think as women, we tend to be warriors because, you know, we're nesters, we're emotional, we're, we're connectors, we're nurturers, and we, we think about people we love and situations in the future, and we plan. And, uh, but half the things that we worry about probably will never even happen. And then half the things we might be running as fast as we can from are not even there. It's like, you know, leave that worry in the graveyard because it's dead. It's not even real. But we will fabricate things to worry about. I remember also one time, you'll remember this, I woke you up in the middle of the night about one of my children's, she was five or six at the time, I think, Ella Grace, and she was having trouble getting started off in kindergarten and first grade. And I woke him up in the middle of the night and said, I, I'm, I'm worried that one day will Ella Grace be able to be able to have a job and take care of herself? And if she can't learn, <laughs> she has straight A's now. She opted out all of her classes. She's 15. She got to opt out early because she has straight A's and her grades, she doesn't need them to go any higher. But it's just funny. I mean, I was so worried. And Jeff just looked at me like I was crazy and said, she's five. Go back to bed. So... But my point is, we just worry about things that, you know, give it to God, because we're not in control. And then things that we never think will happen, do happen, like this virus. So no matter what, we're not in control. God is in control, so there's no point of allowing fear to dictate our emotional state of our heart and of our life. Um, you know, I think about a stronghold. I think about a castle, I was reading all about strongholds and the, you know, why David would use that word and what they were known for, what it was known for, and it said it's the most fortified part of a fortress. So, and a castle, usually the highest tower. You know, as ladies, we always want a castle. We always want, you know, that Prince Charming to take us to ever, happily ever after land. And yet God is saying, I have a place where you cannot be touched no matter what goes on, I want to set you high upon a rock. That's what it says, I think, in verse 5. God wants to set us high upon a rock. And I was just envisioning, I was envisioning the highest tower in a castle. And God just saying, yes, the fray will be down, and you can still see it. And if you want to look down there and be afraid of all the circumstances, you can. Or you can look to me and let me keep you in, in the stronghold. And then, you know, there are legitimate things that are really, really hard that come up in life. There are dashed dreams and broken dreams and hopes that never come true. Um, things that are very, very hard. Loneliness, um, you know, chronic depression. Um, I know right now with my mom is, and her siblings are going through selling, having to sell her mother's house, my mom's house, and going through all her things. And 
I mean, you know, it's, it's hard. Like there are times in life that are really hard and you're going to have to have a stronghold to go to. I have to have a, a stronghold to go to. Um, you know, I love it when he says, I'll be confident. That was the other thing that really stuck out to me was the confidence. Because as women, I know it's really hard to be confident because from yay high, you're kind of told that your identity is in these different things. And then you put them in that and then you're older and they crumble and you've got no stronghold. It was built out of cards. Um, I know a big one is appearance and aging. I'm a Zumba instructor, I'm a fitness instructor, so I, I'm in the world every day of trying to you know, help us stay healthy as women and not cross that line of it being what I look like and judging each other and how much do I weigh and you know, do I need to lose weight? Just things that, that should never be your identity. And um, I think most of us, <laughs> we're, we're not honest if we don't say that a lot of time we look in the mirror, we're not judging ourselves. Um, and then we're judging what kind of wife are we? Or we're judging that we haven't gotten to be a wife yet. Or we're judging what kind of mother am I? Or, you know, how are my children reflecting if I'm a good mother? And, oh, there's always some Zumba instructor with a class that's more full. You know, there's, there's so many things that you can say, I'm going to get my confidence from that. But then when those things don't work out, you know, bam, you got no stronghold if it's not God. And um, I, I, I love at the end how he says, I'm still confident. I will see the goodness of the Lord in verse 13 because I think about, it's a fight. Even David had to say it at the beginning and at the end. Like it's never gonna be just, a, I've decided today that God is gonna be my stronghold and I will live above the fear and give him my hurt and that's it. It's like, I'm going to have to do it every day. I'm going to have to wake up in the morning and say, you're still my stronghold. And I still will be confident of whom shall I fear. And the great thing about the gatekeeper is it's Jesus. So you can't storm the castle. You know, you can't knock it down. You can't smoke me out. Um, I, I got to get to the stronghold when I see danger, when I have fear. And I have someone there that has already proven his strength and that I have a future, an eternal future of strength on my side. Amen. Thank you. I appreciate that. Confidence. That's the first thing we really wanted to talk about. God is our light, our salvation, our stronghold. We go to him, we're safe. Even if our enemies are yelling and screaming at us just like a Goliath talking trash, they're the ones that will end up stumbling in the end. Let's have our confidence in God. But we gotta, we gotta wake up every morning and, and reaffirm that. Sometimes you have, might have to even say some of those words. Maybe read this Psalm tomorrow morning and really take that to heart. And the next thing I wanna talk about is desire. It's not just confidence in God. Notice how the, the Psalm takes a little bit of a turn. And, and let's read, let's keep reading. It says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And, and just look at that. 
This, of all the things that David could ask for, this is what he desires. He desires to be with God, to, to dwell with him, to be in his presence. He's not asking for God just to take away all his problems. That's not what he's asking. What he's asking is, you know what? This is what I want. I want to be in your presence. In the house of the Lord is where I want to be. And notice what he says. He says, I just want to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. What is the beauty of the Lord to you? What was it to David? I think the beauty of the Lord may have been God's goodness, God's heart, God's compassion, God's love for people, God's willingness to take him back even after he's messed up a million times. I think when, when, when David would just slow down, and even though there's a lot going on, and he would think about and reflect on God, it's one thing to doctrinally know there is a God, but it's quite another thing to desire to be in the presence of God. And I think that's where I, I want to grow. I really want to grow uh, in that intensely. And, and I ran across this quote when I was studying this, and it says, there is richness in God revealed to the seeking heart that many people never know. It's a shame that David knew this under the old covenant and so many of us with a greater covenant and greater promises never know it. Mm. I want to know, I want to have this desire to know God. And notice as, as we read on when it says, you know, the house of the Lord in his temple, for in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy and I will sing and make music to the Lord and even dance, right, as we sang before. That's the heart of David. I love how the psalm takes a little bit of a turn. It's like, yes, I, there's a lot going on and I'm confident, I will be confident. And he goes, you know what, God, I just wanna be in your presence. And it's like he just chooses every word for a place where God is that he can find. Sacred tent, dwelling, in his house, wherever he can, wherever he can be with God. And one of these words for sacred tent is, is a word for tabernacle, which, which clearly was defined as that appointed place, really where, where God's presence was manifested in a special way, reassuring his people that he was among them. That's what the tabernacle was all about. And it was portable and it could be moved and, and that was where worship happened and that's really where kind of heaven and earth met, where the presence of God was here among his people. This was way before the beautiful temple that Solomon was able to build. So David wasn't enamored with the, 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 how beautiful the building was, it was the God of the building. It was the God who inspired the building. It was the God whose presence made the building special in the first place. That's the kind of relationship I want to have with God. But we have to desire him. Not just to know him doctrinally. Not just to be able to recite scriptures about him. But to be in his presence. Wherever that may be. And the beauty is, in the New Testament, obviously, the, the, which you can do your own study, is he says he dwells within us. Mind-blowing. David didn't even understand that. He, David couldn't, he, he, he was earlier, he was earlier in the scriptures, right? He didn't know about that. Wow, but we get to experience that. Mind-blowing. And notice again, he says, my head will be exalted. And the cool thing I love about this part of the psalm, what does David do? David just seeks. David's just asking, right? That's what David's doing. But what is, what is God doing? 
God is the one that's, that's you know, sheltering him, keeping him safe, exalting him, putting him high on the rock. I, think, I love that. that. We gotta get that on straight. We think we gotta work so hard, we gotta row our spiritual boats to get to wherever we go instead of letting the Spirit sail with us, right? It's beautiful how we, we just ask, we seek. We're not demanding. Notice how some of us can be demanding. David's like, I just ask, I'm, I'm seeking, right? God is the one that's doing the work. He's sheltering. He's making things happen for David. And he lifts him up. He doesn't, take him, he doesn't take the troubles away, but he gives him a different perspective. Is that your perspective today? Do you struggle to get that perspective? Well, maybe you're trying too hard in your own strength. Maybe you're your own light. You're your own salvation. You're your own stronghold. You're not asking for God. You're not seeking his presence. Maybe that's the problem, right? Slow down amongst the chaos and craziness. Seek to dwell with God. Seek to be in his presence. And guess what? Even if the troubles don't get just miraculously taken away, they didn't for David, what's he still able to do? Sacrifice. I'm still gonna offer my sacrifices to God. I'm gonna gladly give away whatever it might be, something of worth to him. In his day, it might have been a, 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 an animal without any blemishes. Fine, you can have it. I'm not just going to eat it for myself. I'm just going to give it to you, God, as a, as a sacrifice to you. I'm going to shout praises. I'm going to continue to give to you, God, even though my circumstances haven't changed. In fact, I'm on the run. I'm a little scared. I'm fearful, but I'm fighting through it. And I just desire to be with you. And when we have that heart, I think that motivates the praise. That motivates us to, to sing sh- songs of joy and to still sacrifice to God, even in the midst of the craziness. Man, I love this about David. Last thing I wanna talk about is this concept of deliverance that we see in the scriptures. And this I wanna pivot a little bit to the concept of really taking the Lord's Supper, which we will do pretty soon. And if you wanna, if you're at home, if you wanna get your, you know, your elements or whatever for the Lord's Supper, feel free to do that. Think about this concept of deliverance. And this word is sometimes translated salvation in the scriptures. And what I want you to do is don't forget our theme for this year, right? To fix your eyes on Jesus. That's our theme for the year, right? Don't forget that. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I want you to, I want you to kind of maybe teleport yourself, maybe close your eyes, and think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Think about him in the garden, right? As, as, as we read this part of the psalm. Think about Jesus. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. But don't hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Wow, Jesus really was a son of David. David experienced this in his own life, this, this, this feeling that, to crying out to God. And I love how the translation says there's something inside David's heart, like within himself, that's kind of crying out like, you need to seek God. And it's almost like David's having this internal dialogue really with his soul, so to speak. And he goes, I will seek God. Again, that desire for God, that seeking him in the midst of everything, not just seeking an end to your problems, seeking the God that can help you deliver you through your problems. You know, and and don't hide your face from me, please. 
You know, when we feel like God's not answering our prayers or things like that, you know what I get tempted? I get tempted to be frustrated, maybe a little angry with God. Not David. That's what I love about these songs. We can learn. David doesn't get more frustrated. He actually gets more diligent to get deeper with God, to seek him even more. He's not despairing. He's more diligent to to be closer to God. Don't reject me. You're God, my Savior. What a great heart to ask for that deliverance from God and no one else, just like Jesus when Jesus was in that garden. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. You know what I love it doesn't say? Doesn't say lead me in just this easy path. No, a straight path. Sometimes the straight path is gonna take you through the craziness through despair, through fear, through discouragement. That's just the way it is. And are we gonna quit? No, God, I'm not down with this. I didn't sign up for this. Well, let me help you out. If you decided to follow Jesus, you did sign up for it. Let me help you out right there. Sometimes that straight path goes straight through the craziness, straight through the tough stuff in life. And sometimes there are people waiting. You know, he's saying, my oppressors are kind of waiting. He can feel them, ready to pounce on them but he just wants that straight path. Not necessarily an easy path, but a straight path to where he wants to go. And look at this verse 12. Look what David says. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. Does that sound familiar? That reminds me of Jesus. That really does. Jesus didn't want to be turned over to his enemies. They were lying about him yelling at him, beating him, spitting on him. He he didn't want to be turned over to them, right? But he was. He was. And I think that's something that hopefully on this side of the scriptures and the New Testament that we live in era, we can appreciate that, you know what? God didn't answer this type of prayer in the affirmative for Jesus. Jesus actually took on all those accusations on himself on that cross, and he bore them for all of us. Praise Jesus for that. And we're grateful that he stayed on the straight path that led through the cross. But ultimately, that was for your deliverance and mine. Praise Jesus for that. You know, David, again, was the precursor. David didn't know anything about the cross. He only only had little dots that he couldn't even connect. But, you know, for David, we don't even know how it ends, really, this part of the psalm. We don't totally know how it ends. We don't know how God may have delivered him. We know he did ultimately, but we don't know all the details. So, you know, really at this point, you don't really know the the outcome. And at the end, I love it because David says, I will remain confident in this. Even though my problems still exist, even though my enemies are just as evil, I'm still going to remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, I ain't waiting until I die. I'm, God's going to deliver me in, in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. Wait for the Lord. That's our strength. That's where our strength comes from, to still have confidence in God, even when the circumstances of our life say otherwise. And you have to wait well if you're going to follow God, because he doesn't always give it to you easy or quickly. you got to learn how to wait and be strong and take courage in God. But guess what? If you don't think he's your light, if you really don't, and if you don't really look to him for confidence and and to rescue you, and if you genuinely and authentically don't truly desire to be in his presence, 
then you won't have this type of confidence in life. You, you just won't. Some of us want to fast forward to this part without going through the other steps, okay? Don't do that. Remain confident in Jesus. Yeah, remain confident in the Lord. But it takes some time to dwell in his presence. And I hope that more of us will do more of that. In closing, Psalm 27 in Jesus before I pray for the Lord's Supper. Confidence. Jesus is our light, salvation, and stronghold. We don't need to be paralyzed by hopelessness, right? Jesus is our confidence. Desire. Jesus is the exact representation of God. Jesus is the beauty of the Lord in human form. Let's gaze on Jesus. Fix our eyes on him. Let's desire his presence. Not just what he can provide us. Let's just desire his presence. And the protection will come. Deliverance. Remember, Jesus technically, he wasn't always delivered from his biggest problem, right? But because he stayed on that cross, we are ultimately delivered. He can deliver us from death. And even after death, we'll be resurrected to live a new life in the land of the living with, the, with God. Beautiful, beautiful. And don't forget that encouragement that Jesus will return one day and make things right. So be strong and take heart and wait on the Lord to return to make life what it should be for all of us. So let's go to God in prayer for the Lord's Supper at this time. Father, we're grateful that David was inspired by you to write that psalm during a time of really craziness in his life where he was fearing things, anticipating danger and harm. And thank you for, for, for helping us to see that we can have confidence in you as long as we desire to be in your presence. And I pray that all of us can, can seek your face, Father, and the beautiful thing is, what David couldn't realize, but what we can, is that we, people literally saw your face when they saw the face of Jesus. That he was your goodness. And that people have written about him, and we can read those scriptures and, and close our eyes and gaze on the beauty of Jesus' compassion. Gaze on the beauty of his confidence in you. Gaze on the beauty of how he didn't even retaliate when people were malicious toward him. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he, we can read a psalm written thousands of years before he was born and still see him. Thank you for his life. Thank you for his resurrection that helps us to be strong because we know he's coming back. Help us to take this bread and gaze on the beauty of the body of Christ. Help us to drink this juice and gaze on the beauty of the blood he shed for us that provides our deliverance. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this psalm. And thank you for the confidence that we have as we desire you more than any other thing. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.